Yeah, so that's a song by a guy named John Mayer, and I actually think he got something right in this lyric. Because love means so much more when it's not just a matter of words, right? Love means so much more when it's a matter of actions, when it's a matter of of what we actually do. And so to set up kind of what we're going to talk about today, I want to tell you a story of one of my most embarrassing moments in my life, because you're thousands of strangers, why not? All right, now, Elevate, this story takes place when I'm in seventh grade. Where are my seventh graders over here? Where are my seventh graders? Yes. All right, so when I'm in seventh grade, I have my first real girlfriend. I know. It's too young to have your first real girlfriend in seventh grade. I know, I know, I know. So I have my first real girlfriend in seventh grade, and one day, I don't know what came over me. I'm holding her hand, and just something crazy entered into my mind, and I lean in, and I give her a kiss. Oh, I got a pause. <laughs> it's a bad idea. This is not going where you want it to go. I promise this does not end well, okay? I give her a kiss. A couple of days later, she gets sick. Now look, it's no big deal. It's not like there's some sort of global virus scare going on that's making everybody rush to Costco to buy three dozen rolls of toilet paper. Why are we buying toilet paper? What do we think coronavirus does where we need three dozen rolls of two-ply? I'm confused. <laughs> hey, in all seriousness about everything that's going on, this is not the first time that we have had global health scares before. But let me remind you this. Throughout history, you study history, throughout history, whenever there is a global health scare, the church steps up. It's the church who steps up and says, I'm not going to contribute to panic. I'm going to tr contribute to loving my neighbor. And so for everybody hearing my voice, if you're in the atrium, if you're watching online, if you're in the room, let us not contribute to panic. But everywhere that we go, let's say, what would it mean for me to love my neighbor here? We got to be safe. Yes. We got to be smart. Yes. But let's love our neighbor. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus and our world. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Back to you, seventh graders. So, it's my seventh grade girlfriend. Holding her hand, lean in, give her a kiss. A couple days later, she gets sick. A couple days later, I get sick. Now, by the end of the weekend, I'm still not better. And so my parents are like, hey, we got to take you to the doctor. I go to the doctor. He gives me a blood test, comes out, test positive for mono. I've got mono. Show of hands. Who's ever had mono before? Don't lie. Don't lie. All right. Here's the worst part of mono. Students, do you know what the nickname of mono is? What do they call it? It's the kissing disease, which means everybody knows how I got mono. It means my brother knows how I got mono. It means my friends know. It means my parents know how I got mono. Is there anything worse than your parents knowing that you kissed your seventh grade girlfriend? No, it's the most embarrassing thing ever. And my mom, so mono's kind of contagious. And my mom's a little intense with germs. So I'm in my house and it's like the bubble boy. I've got a hazmat suit coming to dinner, all that. And yeah, so several weeks later, I get better, and I go back to school, and I'm ready to reunite with this girl. It's going to be great. No lie, she dumped me. Somebody's clapping for that. 
I agree. I agree. John Mayer says that love is a verb. All I know is that that seventh grade love led to me getting mono and nobody wanting to be around me. Let this be a lesson learned to you, seventh graders. Avoid these relationships. It was no good. So it's a funny story, and yet I think we could all relate to those times where, where something happens and you feel like you're an outcast. Something happens and you feel like nobody wants to be around you. We're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus interacts with somebody who's an outcast. So if you brought your Bibles with you, open it up to Mark chapter 1. You can pull out your phones as well. Flip to Mark chapter 1 to set the scene. Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling from town to town to town. And as they're doing it, Jesus is teaching, Jesus is healing. So they're moving from one town to the next. They're in between. They're approaching a town. And in Mark chapter 1 verse 40, we pick up the story that a man with leprosy comes to Jesus. Now, there are a lot of reasons that I'm glad we get to live in 2020, and medical technology might be at the top of that list. Because back in the ancient Near East, you need to know that leprosy was a terrifying disease. Absolutely terrifying. If you got leprosy, it was kind of a death sentence. The average lifespan of somebody who would contract leprosy back then was about 10 years. It was about 10 years, and it was a terrible 10 years, where you would be overcome with fatigue. Your joints would swell. You would experience pain, painful sores on your hands and on your face. It would lead to like a disfigured face. You would have, even your vocal cords would stretch and get sores on them. So your voice was this high, raspy voice. It was terrifying. But the things that happened on the outside weren't nearly as bad as what happened on the inside. Leprosy is a disease that attacked your nerves. It killed your nerves. So lepers literally lost the ability to feel. They couldn't touch. They couldn't feel. They couldn't feel pain. And we don't think about it, but that's actually incredibly dangerous because people who had this disease, they could get cut and have no idea that they were cut. They'd pick up a pot and have no idea that they were getting burned. And it led to terrible infection. This was an awful, awful disease. We don't think about it, but the ability to feel pain is, it's actually a gift. Pain lets us know when something's wrong. Pain can actually protect us. I had a friend this week who, um, a couple weeks ago, he had a, a heart issue. And he's okay, but he was telling me this week, Matt, I didn't pay attention to the pain. I should have paid, it wouldn't have been this bad if I would have paid attention to the pain. I just want to kind of repeat that for everybody here. If you're here today and there's, there's something in your soul that hurts, that there's a place in your life, a place in your spirit where, where there's pain, I just want to tell you, pay attention to the pain. Because oftentimes the pain is where God wants to work. Oftentimes, the pain is where God wants to offer you hope. Don't just ignore the pain. Don't just numb out to the pain. That's the temptation. No, pay attention to the pain. Pain is actually a gift. So in the ancient Near East, leprosy was terrifying. And what made it even more scary is they didn't know exactly how you got it. They didn't know how it was transmitted. So the law was very, very harsh for lepers. If you had leprosy, you had to grow your hair long to cover over your disfigurement. 
Anytime you would go into the presence of anybody else, you had to, to pull, uh, you cover your, your, your mouth and your nose, and you would just cry out, unclean, leprosy, 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 so that people would know to get away from you. You weren't allowed to live at home anymore. In fact, you weren't even allowed to live within the town anymore. You had to live outside of the town. They would have these like little shack villages, leper colonies, and that's where you had to live. The law said literally that if you had leprosy, you couldn't go within 50 feet of somebody else who didn't have leprosy. And if it was a windy day, the law was extended to 200 feet. Are you starting to feel that this isn't just a physical disease, but it's a relational one too? Are you starting to feel the stigma that came with leprosy? Starting to realize how you were were an outcast. In fact, you know what they called people who had leprosy? They were known as untouchable. Have you ever felt untouchable before? Like there's something in you, something in your life that is just repelling everybody around you feel like an outcast. Maybe you felt like an untouchable at work. You were the one who blew the deal, and now nobody wants to work with you anymore. You were the one that blew the launch, and now you're not trusted with anything new. You were the one that took the short position, and now everybody's angry because we're all losing the money. You're not one of the guys. You're to this. You're to that. You were passed over for the promotion. It feels like you're an outcast, like you're an untouchable at work. Maybe you felt untouchable at home before, where you live in the wrong neighborhood and the wrong house. Students, maybe you go to the wrong school, or you've got the wrong set of friends. You're not good at the right things. Maybe you were caught looking at this, or taking that, or smoking this. You were careless with your words, and now it feels like you're isolated, that even at home, you have to be all alone. Maybe moms, you felt untouchable at the playground before. Maybe you felt untouchable in class, untouchable on the team. Something about you, your actions, your personality, your history, your appearance. And it makes you feel alone and isolated. This one might be even harder. For me, I have felt untouchable with God before. You know, that thing that you said you were never going to do again and you promised God I'm not going to do it anymore and then you do that thing? You know those times where you say with your mouth, I believe, I want to be all in, but in your heart, you're just so full of doubt. I feel that and I feel like what kind of God would want to draw near to my life when I'm just so messy when I'm so messed up, I better get myself cleaned up before I can come and ask God to touch my life. I might be able to see God touch other people's lives. He might touch my friend's life or my family member's life, but he's not gonna touch my life until I get it all cleaned up, until I clean up my past. Until I do that, he's not gonna touch my present or my future. Have you ever felt untouchable before? So I wanna set the scene of what's going on here. So Jesus and the disciples moving from town to town. They're approaching this town. And you can see the sun in the sky. Imagine the wind blowing the dust. Imagine the skyline of that village that they're walking into and then outside of the village. Imagine that there's a a group of shacks. And this figure comes shuffling toward them. 
And he's got like this unnatural limp, this unnatural gait. And as he gets closer to him, the disciples are able to, to see his face and they realize by his disfigurement, this one has got leprosy. And immediately the disciples take 10 steps back. But Jesus, he stands his ground. And for this leper, he's absolutely desperate. He's an outcast. He's dying. He has no options. He knows Jesus' reputation. So he literally breaks the law and approaches Jesus, approaches Jesus and his disciples. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came, and he falls on his knees. He knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he says these words, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. What seems so profound to me about this is that he says, if you are willing. He doesn't say, if you are able. This is interesting to me, that the untouchable man, he's not questioning Jesus' ability. He's not questioning if Jesus can heal him. He's questioning Jesus' heart. He's basically saying, Jesus, I'm alone. I'm, out. I'm an outcast. I'm dying. Is your love big enough for me? Is your love just a bunch of words or is it a verb? Does it actually have action to it? He says, are you willing? And in that moment, Jesus looks him in the eyes. And Jesus sees the heart of his pain. He sees the depth of what this man is going through. And the next verse says that Jesus is moved with compassion. Compassion literally means to suffer with. Jesus doesn't look at this man and say, hey, you know the law, 50 feet back, and put some Neosporin on that. Like, get yourself cleaned up, then come back to me and we can talk. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus sees this man's pain and it touches his heart. He's moved with compassion. If you feel pain, Pay attention to it. If you feel like you're an untouchable, maybe at work, maybe in relationships, maybe at school, if you wonder if God could ever touch your life, see this. He sees you. He has compassion on you. And then Jesus continues, moved with compassion, reached out. Jesus reached out and touched him. Before Jesus says a single word, before Jesus heals him, now, remember, leprosy is a disease that's all about touch. You lose the sense of touch. You're not allowed to touch anybody. Nobody is allowed to touch you. I don't know the last time this man was touched. Before he says a word, Jesus reaches out, and I don't know where he touches him. I wonder if he grabbed him by the hands. I wonder if he held his shoulders. I wonder if he held his face. But he touches this man. For Jesus, love wasn't just a bunch of words. Love was a verb. This man came with all the pain, all the fear, all the loneliness, and Jesus responds with all the love. He touches the man, and then Jesus says, I'm willing. And I love that before he does anything else, before he heals the man, he's like, let's clear up the heart issue here. 
I am willing. I see you. I have compassion on you. I love you. He addresses the heart of the issue, says, I am willing. And then he says, be healed. And instantly, that man is healed of his leprosy. Instantly, those vocal cords that are stretched and tight loosen out and his voice returns to normal. Instantly, his disfigured hands come back. Instantly, he begins to have the sensation of touch again. Instantly, everything changes for this man. Jesus brings all the healing And in Psalm 116, uh, it kind of captures what I imagine that this man must have said whenever he experienced the touch of the healer. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. Even when it was tight and stretched and unnatural, he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. I was dying. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I knew where I was going. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And then I love the turn right here. Then I called on the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, save me. And you know what happens when we call on the name of the Lord? The Lord is gracious. The Lord is righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Call on the name of the Lord, and he is full of compassion. To anybody who feels untouchable, to anybody who feels like an outcast, the heart of God is big enough for you. When you cry out, Lord, save me, he hears you. He has grace for you. He has compassion for you. He sees you. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who can touch your life, who can heal your life. Life For our God, love is not just words. For our God, love is a verb. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so here's the progression that I want you to see from the encounter of Jesus and the untouchable man. Here's, here's the, impre- the progression. What we do is we have to start off by paying attention to the pain. Pay attention to the place in you that doesn't feel right. Pay attention to the place in your soul where you feel alone, where you feel like an outcast, the place in your life where you feel like you just don't belong. Pay attention to the pain. And then our job is to bring it to Jesus. To just humbly say, God, here's where, here's where I'm untouchable. And I bring it to you. And then this is what Jesus does. When we do this, what Jesus does is he starts off with compassion. He feels what we feel. He has tenderness for us. He sees us. He has compassion. And then he touches our life. He touches our pain, our past, our present, our future. He touches our life. Maybe you have followed Jesus for years. Maybe you know what it's like to have Jesus touch your life But the truth is that the pain comes back. The truth is that life is tough. And in all the things, there might be new places where you feel like you are outcast, untouchable, a new place where you feel like you're in pain. If you followed him for all your life, I'd just say, come back. Feel the pain. Bring it to Jesus. Let him have compassion on you. Let him touch your life. Or maybe you're here and you've never experienced this before. You've seen it happen in other people. You've been in proximity of it, but you've never experienced it for yourself. If you feel like a spiritual outcast, bring the pain to Jesus. Feel it. Bring it to Jesus. See how he will have compassion on you. See how he will touch your life. Our God cares about every part of your life. 
Anywhere where you feel like an outcast, he cares. He's the healing God and to our God, nobody is untouchable to him. All right, there's one more thing that I want you to notice in this. Did you notice at the beginning of the story that the, that the man comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are will, willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Did you catch that? You can make me clean. What's that about? What's the whole make me clean business? So some context, it's important for you to know. Way back then, they thought that anybody who had leprosy, it was so bad that it must be punishment. You must be being punished for something that you did. So you got leprosy when you were a sinner. So leprosy wasn't just a physical issue. It wasn't just a relational issue. It meant that you were unfit to stand before God. You were unfit to stand in God's presence. It was a spiritual issue. And you know what? Every one of us is unclean. Every one of us is unfit to stand before God. And let me unpack that further. The truth is that anytime we act, anytime that we think, anytime that we act in a way that is contrary to God's will, it's called sin. And as we sin, we become unfit to stand in God's presence. And this isn't a judgmental thing of saying, oh, you're a sinner. The truth is, we are all sinners. We all are unfit to stand in God's presence. You think about this leper. This leper could have washed himself every day for hours and hours every day to try to wash off the leprosy. And it wouldn't work, would it? No amount of self-help, self-healing, self-washing would wash away the fact that this leper was sick. And it's the same for us. No amount of your self-help No amount of your effort, of your willpower, of your trying to do more good stuff than bad stuff can wash away the fact that we are unfit to stand in God's presence because of our sin. No amount of our self-help will heal that issue. But, and this is where it gets really good, Jesus saw that we are untouchable. Jesus saw that we were unfit to stand before God. He saw that we were untouchable, so he became untouchable for us. Jesus saw that you and I were an outcast, so he became the outcast for us. Jesus saw that we were separated from God, so he became separated from God for us. Jesus became untouchable on the cross so that we could experience the touch of God in our life. When I was six years old, uh, my family, we went to the kind of church where there was a center aisle, and every week uh, they would do an altar call where you could come forward and you could be baptized that day. I didn't really understand everything that was going on. I was six years old. Didn't really get all the things that were happening there, but I knew that if you walked the aisle, number one, you got a free Bible, and number two, you got to miss Sunday school. So, sounds like a good deal to me. So I walked an aisle one day, and I got baptized. And then time went on, and high school hit, and we had some really, really hard family stuff that happened in my life in high school, and I just, I ran away from faith, just ran away from from everything, and I said, that faith, that, that thing that I was a part of before, that was my family's faith. It's not my faith. You guys know what that's like, when it's a family faith, but it's not It's not your faith yet. It's just something that everybody around you kind of buys into, and you're along for the ride. And I was angry. 
I had all this pain, and so I ran, and I ran, and I ran, and I felt alone. I felt separated from God. I wasn't even sure if I believed in God anymore, but I felt separated from God. I felt separated from my friends. I felt separated from from everything. I just felt so alone. And one day, my friend Kevin invited me to a church camp. And it was on the beach, and a bunch of my friends were going. And I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? (laughs) And I went. And I'll never forget what happened on that, that second night. God made my pain really, really clear. And he just lovingly held my hand and he said, would you bring it to me, Matt? Would you just stop trying to fix it yourself? Stop trying to run away and numb the pain? Because if you ask me for grace, I'll have compassion on you. And that day, just like Psalm 116 says, I I called on the name of the Lord and I said, Lord, save me. And the second I did, God was gracious. He was righteous. He had compassion on me and he touched my life. And everything has been different ever since. It changed the entire trajectory of my life. A couple days later, uh, the guy who was teaching that camp He told us, well, after you decide to follow Jesus, after you ask him for grace, after you feel and touch your life, after that, you're supposed to be baptized. And I was like, say what? Because I was baptized like when I was six. And I was super confused about it. And I struggled a lot saying, I was already baptized. Should I get baptized again? And the scripture is kind of clear. Like, like you believe and then you receive the grace. And then after that, you go public. After that, you're baptized. What, What am I supposed to do right here? By the way, this is why we try to teach really clearly on baptism every time we baptize. This is why our elders have asked us to not baptize small kids, because we don't want to add confusion to this. But I was struggling. And then I realized this was the day that it became my faith. Not just my parents' faith, not just my brother's faith. This was when it became my faith. I realized that my parents weren't disappointed if I got baptized again, that they were proud because this was the day that it was me choosing to follow God with all my heart. And so I went all in. I got baptized again. I said, God, I'm all yours. I accept your grace. I accept your salvation. And I want everybody to know about it. Today, we're going to baptize some folks. It's one of my very favorite things that we do. In fact, on the side screens here, you can see the names of everybody that has already signed up to be baptized in our service today. I think you should give them a hand. I think it's a pretty brave thing that they're doing this. And everybody who's going to be baptized has said, God, I need forgiveness. I want to put you first in my life, and I want everybody to know about it. None of them are perfect. But every one of them is a picture of what God can do when he touches a human life. For many of these folks, it's a recent decision. Recently, they believed God is who he says he is, and I believe that he did for me what he said he did for me, and I've received his grace, and the scripture teaches so clearly that I should be baptized, so it's a, it's a recent thing for them. Some of them, though, it's kind of a recommitment. For some of them, they chose to follow God years and years ago, and then they had a rough patch. And today is like a coming home day. Today is their day where they say, nope, I'm serious about this. I'm, I'm recommitting. For others, this has been a lifelong thing. 
For years and years and years they followed Jesus. They were just never baptized since it's been their faith. They've just never been baptized since it was their decision. And as we baptize all of them, all of us, this is one of the most exciting things that we, we do. If you've never experienced baptism here, this is not like a, a quiet thing. It's a reverent thing. It's an important thing, but it's, it's a celebration. And so we worship while we baptize. And every time somebody comes out of the water, we cheer and we scream because we celebrate what happens when someone says, Lord, save me. And God brings all the healing, all the redemption, all the love, because with God, love is a verb. All right, so I want to invite the team to start getting in place right now. And in a few moments, we're going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you, just give you an opportunity to do two things. Two things. First, maybe for you, you've never experienced that touch of God before. Maybe for you, you don't pay attention to the pain. Maybe you feel it, but you, you numb it out in other ways. And you've never experienced God touching your life. And, and maybe for you today, it's time to bring it to Jesus. It's time to stop trying to fix it yourself. Maybe today it's time for you to say, God, would you have compassion on me? And to accept the truth that, that Jesus became untouchable because you were untouchable. And invite him to touch your life, your pain, your past, your present, your future. Maybe for you, you need to say today, it's time for me to follow God with all of me, to accept it. Or second, maybe today is your day to be baptized. You saw the names of those who have already signed up to be baptized. But maybe as you listen to this talk, you realize, man, I need to do that. It's time for me to go public with my faith. It's time for me to go all in. Maybe for you, this is a recent decision. And it's like, wow, I need to follow the ways of God. I've got to get baptized. Maybe for you, you were baptized a long time ago, but you strayed. And maybe today is the day for you to come back. Maybe you followed Jesus for a lot of years. You just were never baptized when it was your decision. You could do it today. If you say, Matt, I, I didn't sign up. It's okay, we got you covered. If you say, yeah, but I didn't go to the baptism class. You just heard a baptism class. You're good. If you say, I'm going to get wet. We've got towels for you. You're okay. But I don't have clothes. We've got clothes for you. I'm afraid the water's cold. It's warm. It's a holy hot tub back there. It's a jacuzzi for Jesus. It's awesome. Guys, don't waste the moment. If the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, don't waste the moment. I resisted a lot whenever God said, get baptized. I struggled. And in the end, I felt God say to me, Matt, do you want your relationship with me to be defined by your resistance or defined by your obedience? I want my relationship with God to be defined by obedience. And if God is moving in your heart today, don't wait. Don't waste the moment. Bring it to Jesus. Let him have compassion on you. Let him touch your life. So would you please stand with me? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, all of us together. Let's, let's start praying. And first, I just wanna pray for anybody who would say, I've got pain in my heart. And I wanna remind you that God sees you. He has compassion for you. He's willing to give you grace. Stop trying to fix yourself. 
If you're ready to call on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me, and you're ready to do that today, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? If today is the day where you say, Lord, save me, I call on your name, raise it. Yeah, I see him. Raise your hand if that's you. I want to pray for you. I see him. I see him. I see them both. Lord, save me. I see them, students. Lord, save me. God, there are hands all over this room. And you promise that when we call upon your name that you have compassion for us. God, I pray that you would rush in. Would you touch every hand that is raised right now? Touch their pain, their past, their future. God, would you take them? Lord, would you move? You can put your hands down now. And now I want to pray for the second group. The second group is anybody who says, you know what, I need to get baptized today. I got to go all in with my faith. Maybe you just raised your hand and you just prayed. You need to get baptized today. Maybe it's a recommitment for you, but you need to get baptized today. Maybe this is an old commitment, but today is the day. If today is your day and you're just like, I don't know if I have the bravery to do it, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand so I can pray that God would give you bravery. If today is your day to get baptized, I see it. Raise your hand so I can pray that God would give you bravery. Today is your day, yeah, I see it. Today is your day. God, there are hands up in this room and I just pray that you would give boldness. Would you give bravery? Would you give them the confidence to follow you to say, no matter what happens, I'm choosing to follow you. Even if it's just me, I'm choosing to follow you. I've decided to follow Jesus. You can put your hands down now. All right, in just a moment, I'm gonna say amen. And what I would ask is that for anybody who needs to be baptized today, the second I say amen, you come forward. If anybody needs the touch of God on your life, if you need a new start, if you need to go public, right when I say amen, don't wait. Don't wait for the song to go. As soon as I say amen, you come forward and you walk right up here on the stage and say, today is my day. Today is the day I need to be baptized. If you need someone to go with you, grab the hand of the person next to you and say, will you just walk with me? Because today's my day. The second I say amen, you do it. God, would you give boldness and would you give bravery? When we call on the name of the Lord, you save us. We thank you for that. We pray it together in the name of Jesus. And here we go. And everybody said, amen.